This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, beer barrel time. Bring back the beer barrel time. I'm saying this all week, and I mean it all week time. Big game time, guys. Can't uh, can't have a 1v3 or 1v2 without having this one time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Goval's 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. On a, We're releasing this, I suppose, late on a Friday night. The game day edition of the Goval's 24-7 podcast. And this is a big one. This is a big one. Got uh, third-ranked Tennessee hosting 19th-ranked Kentucky, the Wildcats, in the battle of the beer barrel, 7 p.m. Eastern, I do believe. And uh, since it's a pregame episode, you know where we're going. We're going over to Ben McKee's house, and we're going to get Ben on the horn. Ben, my man, big game for Tennessee. I know a lot of people are thinking about in the back of their minds that sort of gargantuan one next week, but got to take care of business in this one first. Absolutely. It is absolutely a big-time football game, and uh, it feels weird that this is a big-time football game I, i'm not used to to tennessee kentucky being a, a top 25 matchup uh, that that is something we have rarely seen and uh for for good reason kentucky a, a solid football team i i do if i'm being completely honest think that they are a, a smidge overrated they, they haven't really beaten anybody or or, or played anybody uh, mississippi state uh the the way it was able to shut down mississippi state's uh, offense is, is pretty impressive, no, no doubt about that. But I thought what was more impressive was their ability to run the football against a, a Zach Arnett defense there, uh, the, the Mississippi State defense coordinator, uh, who I think is really good at his job. So uh, for Kentucky to be able to run the football on that defense was impressive. But outside of that, um, beat a bad Florida team, um, which – Whatever. I mean, obviously, if we're going to diminish that win, uh, we're, we're diminishing Tennessee's window win over Florida at the same time. But uh, I, I do think there's further evidence of Tennessee being a good team, unlike there is Kentucky, despite uh, beating Florida uh, as well. Wins over Alabama. LSU win looks uh, much better now. Uh, but uh, K- Kentucky is a solid team and uh, they're going to have to show up. That is Tennessee and, and be ready to play because they can't get caught looking ahead. I think that's the big question uh, aside from the matchups, Wes, is is this a trap game? I say no, but I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts with Georgia lurking around the corner. Yeah, there are some teams in some years where I, w- I would say that I was concerned about that. You know, maybe if Kentucky was a little bit worse or, you know, the Tennessee hadn't had a recent history of, of not being – 
an elite team or, you know, the, the, there would be other reasons in the past with some other teams where I probably would have said a little bit. But I, I've not had any concern about that with Tennessee for, for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, I, I just think the head coach of this team, Josh Heupel, is a guy who kind of treats every day the, the exact same, right? He, he kind of goes in there excited to work every morning. The guys get out there ready to take their business, and, and they, they take every game seriously. They, they've not had really many terrible starts in any games that I can remember since he's been at Tennessee. So so they kind of go into games fired up, ready to go. And the other thing is, you know, the, the, the quarterback of this football team is 24 years old. This is a mature young man in Hidden Hooker who, who – his whole life basically has been an adult, but you know he's actually been an adult for six years technically. So th- this is a, um, to the extent that you're ever an adult when you're that age, you're probably not. But at 24 years old, you're definitely an adult. And just a guy who handles his business in the right way, a guy who comes in there every day ready to work, a guy who kind of sets an example. They got some guys also on that offense and a couple of guys on defense who kind of treat everything the same too. I'm not worried about that because I think there's also some guys on this team that remember – that know what it's like to lose to Kentucky. I think that helps too. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of things uh, last season having to kind of hold on there to, to win that game. There's a lot of reasons why I don't think they'll take this one for granted. I mean, that doesn't guarantee that they play well, but I, I don't think that there'll be any kind of a mental block or looking ahead type of thing for this team because I, I, just, I just don't think they're wired that way, really, if that makes sense. I completely agree with you. Like I said, I, I do not view this as a trap game. And, and I think those associated with Tennessee, whether it be Tennessee fans or or even those who cover Tennessee, I, I haven't really seen anybody label it as a trap game. The The trap game talk is, has come really from the national media who aren't following Tennessee day to day. And that's fine. Uh, it's, it's not their job to, yeah, it's to a, cover. It's, it's a hard job. Uh, yeah. Yes, it, it's impossible to cover all 100 and however many teams it is now, um, as closely as, as we do Tennessee. And, and if I was a national media member, I'd probably sit around and, and say that it's a trap game too because everybody in the sport right now is talking about next Saturday's game between Tennessee and Georgia in Athens at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Uh, they're, they're either mentioning that game or they're mentioning the the great slate of games that are next week because you also have LSU and, and Alabama uh, later that day at, at night. So uh, outside of Knoxville, I, I can certainly see why people think it's a, a trap game. But for all the reasons you said, Wes, uh, I don't think that it is uh, for the players. I I would be absolutely stunned if they're not ready to play on, on Saturday night. In fact, I'll guarantee that they are ready to play on Saturday night because this team has been ready to play every single week this season. And, and this isn't the first week that they've had to deal with a lot of talk outside of the program. Uh, there, there was talk Pittsburgh week. There's a ton of talk Florida week, a ton of talk LSU week. And we all know what the circus was Alabama week. And they all handled it extremely well. If, if Tennessee loses to Kentucky, it won't be because they played Georgia next Saturday and they're looking ahead they'll lose because the offense all of a sudden started turning the football over and they did not execute. That's why they would lose to Kentucky. Yeah, I think that, that 
no matter what, if they lost this game, people around the country would be saying that that's because they were looking ahead, right? I mean, that's just what yes. that's what an armchair quarterback would do. And in fairness, we don't know what's happened yet this game, so it's very possible, certainly, that, that Tennessee does that. I, I, I wouldn't bet on it because I go back even to last year. I, Tennessee started well all the time. It was one of the best first-quarter teams in college football history. The problem was the second quarter was – about as bad as it could be all the time. And then the lack of depth in the second half would become a problem. This year, Tennessee's been able to offset that a little bit. It, it's been able to to play better in those situations. Obviously came from behind against Alabama after losing the, the lead and then going behind a couple times and coming back. So, And, and I think at, at night at Neyland Stadium, they're going to be wearing those dark mode uniforms. The, the student section's going to be just – having a full day to get ready for that one you know what i mean you know what i mean so i i think they're gonna be liquored up there you go that's another way to put it i, I think that they're they are I, I don't know why but it seems like there there are so many times we're going into a week you you just with certain fan bases or certain even with tennessee fans there's been times in the past where i think they've kind of looked past certain games even when they weren't great just kind of like, oh, well, we're going to beat this team, you know? And, and, and what's weird to me is this entire week, it's felt like the exact opposite, where a whole lot of fans have some sort of bad feeling about this, maybe for the same reasons that some national media do, just because you look at the schedule and you go, oh, God, this is not, this is, this is not a good time for this one. But I look at the matchups, just this team versus that team, and I think this matchup, is much more favorable to Tennessee than I think it is Kentucky. That's, you know, at the end of the day, you talk about pregame and all these other things and all the hype and all this. After the ball's kicked off for a couple plays after that, it's just who plays better football and who's the better team that day. And I like Tennessee's chances of being the better team in this game, and I have since the schedule came out. I've never had that much concern about this one just because of the way the teams are built. And that was when I thought Kentucky might be a little bit better than it has been. I mean, the reason I picked, the reason I thought that Kentucky would maybe finish ahead of Tennessee in the East this season was purely based on the schedule, not which team was better and and which team would win this game. I always thought Tennessee would win this game. Now, I might be proven wrong on that, Ben, but I, 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 I just think you know, Kentucky really should be at least 6-1 and one right now. You know, the Ole Miss game, okay, that's that's fair enough. And they really probably should have won that game if they hadn't turned it over twice late. Um, but, you know, shouldn't have lost the other game that they lost. And and, and I just – even with out their starting quarterback, you South Carolina, that, it's a game you got to win. So I, I, I just think the way Kentucky is built, the strengths that this team has, and it does have some strengths, really it does, like physically and, and you know, kind of mentally in some ways – I just think that Tennessee can stop the run. Tennessee can contain the run anyways. And at that point, it just becomes, well, can Will Levis beat Hendon Hooker in a shootout? And my answer to that is no. I don't think he can. I would be absolutely stunned if Will Levis could beat Hendon Hooker uh, in in a shootout. I I really would be. I I find it interesting that that you have heard People be somewhat anxious uh, this week. I saw another media member. Not people uh, in the, not, not people in the program. People like fans. Yes, yeah, yeah. Fan. I'm talking about fans as well. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm surprised that you've seen that from fans because I've seen the opposite. Quite frankly, um, I, I've I've seen a lot of confidence and dismissing Kentucky completely and thinking that Tennessee is just going to blow Kentucky completely out of the water. Uh, that that's the 
that's the the mood that I've seen Tennessee fans uh, in this week. And I, I think that for the most part, a lot of people trust this Tennessee football team, uh, particularly in, in games like this, because they, they've proven all season long. They've had not just it's not just like a one type of test season that they've had as well. It's not like the Florida game was the only week this season in which they've had to handle a lot of outside noise and, and chaos and other stuff going on. I mean, it's happened in, in so many uh, weeks this season in, in which that they've had to deal with the, a circus, a positive circus going on outside of the building. And they've handled it flawlessly each and every single time. And I, I don't know how Josh Heupel has done it, but he, he has truly gotten – this team to buy in to treating every opponent the same. They, 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 they treated UT Martin like it was Kentucky week or Georgia week. And I truly believe that they did. And to do that in a day and age where there's social media and everybody on, on social media is hyping them up. And I'm not even talking about Tennessee fans or the media that cover Tennessee and, and are writing about all the positive things about Tennessee I mean, it's it's Chad Ochocinco saying that he he's going to wear a Jalen Hyatt jersey so so that on a date so that it helps him score that night. It, it's 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 guys like that RG three and all these former football players that are taking notice of, of what Tennessee is is doing and for for all that to be on social media and this team still be locked in and, and focused and, and treating each opponent as the same. I think it's as good of a coaching job as you'll find. Um, it's just, I don't think people realize how hard it is to get your guys to buy in week in and week out the way that Josh Heupel and this coaching staff has. If you don't know how hard it is, just look at what's going on at Texas A&M or go back and look at what Butch Jones had to deal with and, and what Butch Jones created and, and what that led to, to spoiling a very talented 2016 roster. So I, I would be absolutely stunned uh, if Tennessee lost this game for, for any other reason than them just not executing on Saturday night. And I guess it goes hand-in-hand, Wes. It's always kind of hard to to see and tell, okay, did did Ramel Keaton drop that pass because he was thinking about Georgia and didn't prepare all week, or did he just simply drop that pass? It's kind of hard to legitimately tell one way or the other the, the reasoning. But I, I would, again, I've said it multiple times this week, I, I just I would be absolutely floored if this football team isn't ready to play because they truly treat each week like a 1-0 season, like they talk about. And, and the reason why I think that is, is, is there's, there's two things there. W- one is that at some sometimes with some teams, things just come together in a way that you can't always explain, but they just happen. And you can sort of understand why, but you can't always understand why. There's kind of a special sauce there that's just really hard to – really hard to, to get. And, and you either have a significantly more talent than everybody else around you or it just comes together. I think that's part of it. But but the bigger thing, I think, and, and I I really do believe this, I, I think that I think that when you look at – you talked about the, the situation at A&M, you talked about the situation with Butch Jones at Tennessee. To me, the foundation of those programs is maybe part of the reason why things have gone the way they've gone. I think the foundation at Tennessee – right now is a very strong one. I don't think that's been the case in a while. And, and there's a few reasons for that. I, I think that, that Heupel and the way he's gone about his business and been honest with the players, I think that's a part of it. But the other thing is this. A lot of kids 
a couple years ago uh, had every chance to leave this program, and no one would have blamed them. And in most cases, no one did blame them. But a lot of guys left, like 30-plus guys one year left in the portal. But what you've done at that point is you've taken any of the people who had any reason that they might want to have doubt or they might want to leave, they left. The kids who stayed were kind of like the, 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 the Kool-Aid drinkers. They were the, they were the believers. And I think they've built a culture around those guys. And I think they've sprinkled in some nice pieces here and there, uh, and that's helped. And the coaches have been honest with the players, which obviously has helped. But I think in a really weird way, a lot of those guys leaving was not a bad thing for Tennessee because the guys who stayed, there weren't many of them around there for a while that first spring, but they looked at each other in the locker room, and they knew the guy to their left and the guy to their right wanted to be there, or else he would have left. Because there were a lot, a lot of everybody on that team could have left and gone somewhere. Not like a Power Five necessarily. Some guys would have had to go to other places, but they could have left. And I think the ones who stayed helped them build a foundation. And I think Heupel came in and he was honest with the kids. And I think they've built what they've built. Well, and I think the other aspect of that is, and, and the old, the old heads are going to call my generation, and and I guess the the generation that is currently playing. Uh, we get labeled as soft when when this topic gets brought up, but coaches have had to change the way that they coach. No longer are the days of the Jeremy Pruitt types of just cussing out every single player that does something wrong uh, and just absolutely beating them into submission. Th- those days are are over. Unless, uh, in unless, terms unless of, you're Nick Saban or somebody like that. There's a few guys who can do it, but not many. And and what do you know? Nick Saban's team looks a, a little unhinged for the first time in, in how many years <laughs> at, at Alabama? It, it kind of looks like Saban can't relate to, to these new age kids, uh, if, if we're being honest. Um, because he, he's had a hard time the past two years getting these different players to buy in to what he's preaching. So – you go from what Jeremy Pruitt was doing, and Jeremy Pruitt was on the extreme end of things, obviously, uh, in terms of – and not that he was abusing players. I'm not at all trying to say yeah, that. Yeah, in, in some ways he was a really good players coach, and a lot of those guys really yes. did really, really, really like him. And I, I, people don't believe me when I say that, but it is the truth. Yes, but he didn't – Pruitt's problem is he, he didn't give everybody a fair shake. And if if he did not – think that you were going to be good or if, or if you weren't doing anything for him he he did not treat you very well in terms of if you messed up in practice he he'd mf you left and right and it, it wasn't just him there there were other coaches on that staff as well butch jones was that way <laughs> and, and butch and, and pruitt couldn't get their culture set and, and josh eiffel has been the the polar opposite it, it's been talked about at length um the these last two years and uh, the, the players have talked about it. The coaches have talked about it. They they want to have fun while working, uh, and that is the the new age thinking, if if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids are different. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to deal with what you have when you have it. Like you you can't change an entire generation of of young people. Like they they've been raised the way they have. Culture is the way it is. Society is the way it is. And you got to deal with what you got. Uh, like a smart a smart person can. You know, a smart coach can or a leader in any field can take what they have and get the most out of it. And I think, I think part of the problem going back to that was that I think Pruitt had just come from three programs 
where the teams were just absolutely loaded. So when he got to Tennessee, I think he knew exactly what he didn't have, and I think it affected him. It made some couple, you know, negative coaching decisions and, and, you know, trying to let the clock run out in halves and try to shrink games in some ways. And I think Heupel came from a different place, and he knew Tennessee didn't have everything, but he thought he could work with what he had. And I think he, 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 he focuses more on what his guys can do than what the other team can do to his guys. Yes, and, and Heupel knows what it's like to be a player, too. He, he knows what works and, and, and doesn't work. So I think in terms of, of building this concrete culture that, that is so healthy, I'm amazed at how, how healthy the culture is a, a year and a half into this thing. I mean, typically this takes multiple seasons of buy-in before you're able to establish what Hypo has been able to establish. And, and a large part of it is because they don't completely tear down their guys when they mess up on the football field. I'm not saying that they don't coach them hard. Go watch Rodney Garner coach up the defensive line. Yeah. Rodney Garner coaches them as hard as anybody in the country, if not harder than anybody in the country. But the difference is between Rodney and these coaching staffs that don't pan out is Rodney's the first one to to celebrate their success when something goes their way. The, the players who buy in and have success under Rodney, they know that Rodney's doing it because he has their best interest in, in his heart, that, that he cares about him, that he loves him, that he wants the best from them. That That's why he is so successful and uh, again, they, they get down to work. I'm not trying to say that they don't. They coach them very hard. It's not just Garner. I've seen Alex Golish and Joey Halsley, Josh Heupel. All of those coaches coach up their guys really, really hard. But there, there's a difference in, in coaching hard and, and being good communicators and, and also kind of loving on your players and not just constantly beating them down the old school, traditional way that that we kind of grew up understanding that coaches are supposed to be hard on you. That that has really changed over the last couple of seasons, in, in, in my opinion. And I say all that to say that that is why the culture is so great. And because the culture is so great, they've been able to, to handle each week properly. And I expect them to do the same thing this week and not get caught looking ahead to Georgia. I agree with that, uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, Tennessee's got to go out and prove that, and we'll see if Tennessee does that. We have more to discuss about this game. I think we got to discuss a little bit about Kentucky and sort of what what it is about that team that works. What about that team uh, could give Tennessee some problems? Maybe 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 some some issues or some areas where Tennessee could give Kentucky some problems. There there's a lot to discuss there. But before we do that, we're just slightly overdue for a break. So let's step away. Let's pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc. And then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. 
That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from his house, Ben McKee's house, which we need to we need to name better. Uh, we will do that at some point. I hope that's not on the list of like, it's like on the honeydew list of things. I'm like, I'm going to get around to that. And then it, it really doesn't happen. So we're actually going to try to check this one off the list uh, at some point. But regardless, he's been, I'm Wes, we're sitting here talking Tennessee, Kentucky, the, the third-ranked Vols and the 19th-ranked Wildcats playing 7 p.m. Eastern Saturday uh, on ESPN with uh, Fowler and Herb Street and all. The, the big crew will be in for this game, big, big game, uh, big, big game for Tennessee to stay undefeated and, and keep everything in its, its place, keep everything right where it is. Although, honestly, Tennessee sort of controls its own destiny no matter what happens in this game. But you would like to take – uh, advantage of this opportunity and put another one in the bank. So we're going to talk more about that in a second. But before we do that, uh, just a quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 60 seconds, 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We would really, really appreciate that. Uh, if you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But what helps out the most is if you go in there, whether it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this very Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. Uh, it's, it's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. But uh, what really, really helps us out the most, and I think since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate, review, subscribe, and Tell your friends. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see playing golf. Tell, tell people you see sitting next to you at the game. If you're going to the game today, tell people you see at tailgates before the game. Tell, tell people you see you know, playing golf. Tell people you see walking your dog. If there's just someone you're eating lunch and someone's next to you wearing an orange shirt, go like, hey, man, I like Tennessee. You like Tennessee. Why don't you go in there and listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? And who knows? That could be your new best friend. That could be the love of your life. We could, we could, meet, we could help you meet your spouse, man. Think about the butterfly effect on this. Think about what we're doing for you. So just go in there and help us out. Go in there to and rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. If you're doing all those things already, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. This Kentucky football team is in a lot of ways kind of what everyone thought it would be. Now, there were some questions with Levis and his health, and that's been unfortunate, and you know, maybe this is team is six and one if he's healthy, uh, or if he had been healthy the whole season. That, that happens though. Tennessee would love to have had Cedric Tillman. Didn't bother the balls. You got to do what you got to do. Of course, I say that if Tennessee had taken Hendon Hooker out, who knows where Tennessee would be right now? Maybe not uh, seven and zero. 
probably doesn't beat Alabama, and then some other games, you're never really sure. So regardless, you have what you have. Kentucky has what it has. And I think this is a good football team. I don't think it's a great football team. I think it's a good football team. I think it's a, it, it's a team that plays a physical style. It's a team that under Mark Stoops has uh, really made tremendous strides as a program. It's a team that's got a couple of young athletes like Tennessee native Barryon Brown, a freshman, who are really, really dynamic, guys who can make plays and guys who will be highly motivated to make plays against Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. Lots of Tennessee players of Tennessee natives on this team. You know, you got a, you got a few of them. I mean, Kentucky can't get its whole team from Ohio. It tries, but it can't get the entire team from Ohio. They got to get some guys from other places, and they recruit Tennessee very, very hard and get some of those kids. But this is a team, when I look at the matchups, I think Tennessee can handle the run pretty well defensively, and I think they don't get enough credit for that. I think Rodriguez is going to get his today because he's a good player, and that's what good players do. But I think... Maybe one thing that we've not talked about a ton this week is we know, I think we've all talked about, Ben, how the the running game that Tennessee most of the time does a pretty decent job getting getting its hooks around the run and doing a good job there. I don't know that we've spent enough time talking about the line of scrimmage. I think Tennessee is significantly better than Kentucky on both lines of scrimmage. I think Kentucky's linebackers and secondary might be better than Tennessee's. Might, might be. Um, but I think on the lines of scrimmage both ways, I think Tennessee wins those battles. Yeah, I, I'm I'm nitpicking your comments. I, I don't I don't know about significantly uh, better, but I, I I agree with you. I I do I do favor Tennessee in those matchups for for sure. I think Tennessee's offensive line is is better than than Kentucky's defensive line. And on paper, I would give Tennessee's offensive line the the edge. Uh, and then uh, on, on the flip side of that coin, I, I would give. Uh, Tennessee's defensive line, the the edge against Kentucky's offensive line, and uh, that that is why Tennessee is seven and zero when nobody saw that coming, uh, because of of how strong Tennessee has been in the trenches this season. I, I thought Tennessee was a seven eight win football team prior to the season uh, because I, I really liked Hendon Hooker. Obviously, I, I liked Tennessee's skill position players on offense. But I, I I didn't know how good the offensive line was going to be for the Vols. I didn't think it would be bad, but I didn't know if it was a good enough offensive line uh, to, to go out there and, and be a, a 10-win, 11-win, 12-win football team. Uh, and it is. It, it, it is a a dominant offensive line, quite frankly. It, yeah, it is an, it an offensive line that, that will win you double-digit games. If you're going to win double-digit games in football, whether it's high school ball, College ball, the NFL, you have to be strong in the trenches. And that was my biggest question mark was how good can Tennessee be in the trenches on both sides of the ball? And they've been really good. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line uh, pushed around a Florida defensive front that has some NFL guys. Uh, and same with, with LSU and, and Alabama. Uh, LSU and Alabama, they, they maybe don't have, outside of Will Anderson, don't don't have the that one superstar in the trenches. And, and I'm more so speaking about beef. Uh, on the interior, when I say this, they, they don't have the the, the Quentin Williams uh, up front or, or Marcus Spears or, or Booger McFarlane, McFarlane's of the world, but they still have really good players and, and players that will probably get a shot in the NFL, and, and Tennessee moved them around. And, and then now speaking about Will Anderson, Darnell Wright has been able to, to make a lot of money this season yes. by 
winning battles with Will Anderson, with Dallas Turner, with Chris Braswell, with B.J. Ojolari, with the dudes from Pittsburgh earlier this season, with a Brenton Cox at Florida. Darnell Wright had made a lot of money this season. Uh, and, and even on the flip side of Darnell Wright, at left tackle, uh, Gerald Mincy, Jeremiah Crawford, I, I don't think that they're all SEC players, but they've had really strong seasons, and, and you don't really tell who's in there <laughs> throughout offensive series, which is the best compliment you can give an offensive lineman is, is when you don't notice that they are in the game. So, uh, and, and on the flip side, uh, the defensive line, it, it's kind of that same storyline of going into the season, you, you liked some guys, uh, you liked Amari Thomas and, and knew he had potential, but you also knew that he needed to take a step forward. Same with Tyler Barron, same with Byron Young. And, and those guys, especially B.Y., and Omari, they, they have taken big steps this season and, and have made some money. But in addition to those two guys, players like Dejon Terry, uh, Bryson Eason, mm-hmm. kind of those other guys that aren't talked about as much as Amari Thomas, they've stepped in and, and Karat Garland's of the world, the Trail Bumpuses, they, they've kind of pieced together as a group uh, a really nice performance this season with, with Amari Thomas leading the way. And, and that's why Tennessee is where it is now. Obviously, Hendon and Hyatt and Tillman get all the glitz and glamour, but the trenches is why Tennessee is 7-0 and and has a chance to make it to Atlanta in the college football playoffs. And, um, you know, Kentucky's really strong in those areas this season. You and I are both not sitting here trying to say that they're bad up front, but uh, the offensive line for Kentucky has taken a step back this season because uh, they lost some guys. They, they lost Dare Rosenthal to the NFL, one of their tackles. I believe they lost both of their tackles from last season, uh, and they also lost Luke Fortner, is I believe his name. He he was one of the better interior linemen in the SEC uh, last season, and, and they've they've struggled to replace those guys consistently and uh, defensively up front along the defensive line. They have some nice guys as well, a couple of Tennessee guys as as well, in uh, Octavius Oxendine and, and uh, Trayvon Ripka, um, but. They're just kind of strong. They're not elite, maybe like they have been in the last couple of years. But I agree with you, Wes. I give Tennessee the nod in those areas. And that hasn't been the case the last couple of seasons going up against Kentucky and why Tennessee and Kentucky have played some close games of late. Yeah, I think I knew Tennessee or thought. I don't, You never know anything, right? I, who knows anything? But I thought – that Tennessee would be good inside the guard box this season if uh, Cooper Mays could stay healthy. I just was not convinced he could stay healthy. And knock on wood, to this point, he has stayed healthy. And when he's out there, he makes them go offensively in some ways. He's a, he's a, he's a really nice center. He does a lot of good things. And both guards have been as good as I thought they, they would be. I thought Darnell would be uh, thought Darnell Wright would be really good at right tackle. He's actually been freaking great at right tackle he moved back to the spot he wants to play the spot he'll play at the next level likely and he's been really really good there and then at left tackle I thought that was a gigantic concern for Tennessee and it has not been it's not been like elite or anything but it's been fine I mean that's Hendon Hooker's blind side and and he's been fine this season that way in fact some of the pressures come from the the right side from blitzes and whatnot so I, I think that overall they've been one of the best groups up front in the country all season. And then defensively, I think if you're being honest, you'd like Tyler Barron to have a bit more, uh, a bit better this season. If we're being honest, I think he, there's more in him and we'll see if he can get there. Um, but the other guys, I think they've gotten a lot of what they can get in, maybe in some cases more. Uh, you mentioned a lot of the names and, and I would throw 
uh, maybe Dominic Bailey into that mix too. I think he's done some things. I think Tyree West, when he's come off the bench, has done some nice things. Uh, some of the freshmen that we've seen have been able to go out there and do some stuff. They've just been good there. They've been really, really good there, and they've been winning games up front. I mean, they, to do what they do, to have as much time and as much space as they do, you can't just be good at the skill spots. you, you got to have time to get there. And then on the other side of the ball, if Tennessee can't hit the quarterback, Tennessee cannot stop the pass. And, and some weeks Tennessee's been okay against the pass or at least not been devastated against it because it's been able to get pressure and get in the backfield and make plays. So uh, I think Tennessee's been able to, to win battles up front all season. And if Tennessee wins the battle up front in this game, I don't know that Kentucky's got enough to go out there and play around that. So I, I just – I like this, this matchup for, for Tennessee. I think that Rodriguez is good. You know, I, th- I think that last season um, – well, let's say this season, Tennessee has only really allowed one running back in purely the running game to just give them a hard time, and that was Israel Abanacanda. Uh, and he needed a 76-yard run because in every other carry, he had 3.1 yards of carry. Jameer Gibbs, in that game against, Alabama, against Tennessee, actually did some good things, but a lot of it was in the pass. In the running game, he got 100 yards, but he had fewer yards per carry than both of Tennessee's backs. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, Tennessee has been pretty good in those situations. So Rodriguez is a big physical kid. He's going to get his, and they're going to be able to hit some shots because you have to respect them and come up into the box to defend them, uh, and that's going to expose Tennessee's secondary downfield. And so if Levis has time, uh, he, he's going to have a chance to make some throws in this game. He just is because Tennessee secondary allows that in every game. So you know that going into it. So I, I think – I think if Tennessee just goes out there and plays okay defensively and okay offensively, I think it wins this game. I think Kentucky has to go out there and play really well and hope Tennessee does not play well. So when you start looking at the probabilities of what each side has to do to win and what the other side has to do to let that happen, there's just a lot more avenues for Tennessee to win this game than there are Kentucky. And that, to me, I've always been kind of an Occam's Razor guy. Like, you know, whatever you think the most likely thing is, that's probably what's going to happen. I just think there's more ways for Tennessee to win this game than Kentucky. Yes, I, I agree with you. I, I, I do. I, I think uh, the, the trenches, as we've been discussing, will will dictate whether or not Tennessee completely blows Kentucky out because I, I do think that is absolutely a possibility because of the, the style of play. Uh, and we, we saw that last year in terms of Tennessee being able to put up points uh, on Kentucky, but they weren't necessarily able to get the defensive stops against the run like I think they are capable of doing this season. And that Kentucky offensive line was much better last year than, than it was this year. And Tennessee's defensive line was not as good last year as it is this year. Uh, the, the offensive line has taken a step back for Kentucky. Tennessee's defensive line has taken a step forward which I think leads to Tennessee having a little bit better of success against Chris Rodriguez in that running game. So uh, I I think if Tennessee's offensive line and defensive line play uh, continues like it has this season, I think Tennessee is is quite frankly going to blow Kentucky out. Now, Kentucky is capable of winning in the trenches. Don't, don't, Don't get... Myself confused. I think Wes agrees. Don't don't get confused what he's saying. Kentucky is capable of winning up front on the offensive line. Yes. Capable yes. of winning up front along the defensive line. But on paper, you give the edge to Tennessee, and, and that's why you play the game on the grass on Saturdays. 
Um, but I, I think it'll come down in terms of how the game goes. It, it's going to come down to, to the trenches. I know everybody's talking about Hooker and, and Levis and, and Chris Rodriguez. Uh, well, the, the trenches dictate those guys having success. Just, just look at the uh, the sacks allowed for Kentucky. They've, they've allowed 26 sacks this season, and it's really been a group effort as to why they've been so poor in that department. Will Levis does hold hold on to the football uh, a little too long at, at times, but also, as we talked about, that that Kentucky offensive line isn't what it has been uh, in in years past. So if that's an offensive line that, that can finally step up and, and, and take a big step forward, then Kentucky can hang around. If, if Kentucky's defensive front, uh, which is capable of making plays, if they can, in fact, make plays against a Tennessee offensive line that has been playing lights out this season, then it's going to be a closer game than what I, I think people are anticipating. Now, I, I even think worst-case scenario for Tennessee, if, if you want to talk about it in that manner, I think worst case, Tennessee still wins by double digits. I'm I'm discussing the trenches being the difference in, in a 30-point win for Tennessee and a 15-point win for Tennessee. I think that that's kind of the difference here. No, I think the worst-case scenario is that Tennessee turns it over a bunch and loses the game. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, yes. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I, I think that one stat that really is concerning, and I'm glad you brought it up, Ben, Kentucky has allowed 26 sacks this season. Tennessee's allowed 11. And when you think of how many more plays Tennessee runs than Kentucky in a game, I mean, Kentucky has the slowest tempo of any team in the country. Tennessee, uh, for most of the season, has been the fastest tempo in, in college football. Tennessee runs more than one play per minute more than Kentucky does over the course of a game. I'll say that again. More than one play per minute, Tennessee runs more than Kentucky does. So right there, you're talking about the difference in the number of plays, and then you're saying Kentucky's allowed three times almost more sacks. That, that's a concern. That's a major concern. Kentucky does not throw it a ton in a lot of games and also uh, doesn't run a ton of plays. And Kentucky is better than only 10 teams in the country in terms of sacks allowed. That's a concern uh, because it's going to be hard to operate in Neyland. It's going to be loud. There's going to be times where some guys maybe don't hear the call correctly. There's going to be some times where maybe some guys get you backed up because there's a false start penalty, so you're in loose downs. It, there, there's times where uh, – there. There's a pretty good chance that your your quarterback's gonna have to stay in there and take some hits, and and that's not what you want in a game like this. If you're Kentucky, you absolutely have to stay ahead of down and distance. You have to run the ball effectively on first down, throw the ball effectively on first down with some quick game stuff, get the ball out there on the perimeter, do some screens, do some other things, because if you're in long, if Tennessee if Tennessee gets Kentucky into second long and third and long all day, Kentucky's in trouble. And also, if Tennessee gets up by a couple scores early on Kentucky, Kentucky's in trouble. That's not the kind of game they want to play. Whereas, at any point, even if Kentucky gets off to a good start, Tennessee's offense runs really quickly, does a lot of things. They can, they can go off at any point. Now, I do think if Kentucky gets off to a good start, then all of a sudden that crazy energy in Neyland Stadium gets a little bit puckered up, maybe, and that becomes a problem. But... Even when that happened against Alabama, the crowd backed Tennessee. The crowd got loud. Tennessee made some plays. Tennessee came back. So I, I just think every way that you sort of think about game theory and every way you kind of game this game out, 
just about every way that I game it out, I see Tennessee winning it. But that's that that's that's why you go play the games. Uh, there, there's certainly no lack of motivation for for Kentucky in these games ever. Uh, this is a, a game that that it means probably more to Kentucky than it does Tennessee, and it means something to Tennessee. It just means more to Kentucky. That's just kind of how how it is because historically, think about it like you know Tennessee, Florida in some ways, or, or you know it's just kind of that that's that's kind of what it is. So. This is an important game for them. This is uh, in the old days. You'd say they make a DVD out of this one if they win this one. Uh, now they don't do that stuff anymore. I don't think. Uh, now it'd be a digital release. But I, I mean, I, I just if Tennessee shows up maturely, responsibly, takes care of the football, think Tennessee's fine. If not, then Tennessee's going to be in for a fight because Kentucky will roll up its sleeves and fight you. Yes, that that is why Kentucky has developed itself into a good football program. Uh, under Mark Stoops, um, they, they they have the correct mentality, uh, the mentality that that you were just speaking on. But uh, like like you were saying, if, if Tennessee shows up offensively and it does not turn the football over, it's going to put points up on the board. It, it just is uh, because we we have not this season seen an opposing defense beat Tennessee consistently. When when Tennessee's offense has been stuck in the mud, it's been it's on. It's its own doing in terms of penalties or or dropped passes or or Hendon Hooker uh, missing a guy o- guy open down the field and and I'm not saying Hendon does it frequently I'm just saying at times that there there have been guys open for a touchdown that he's simply overthrown and and that's part of it when when you take as many deep shots as Tennessee does you're you're, you're going to miss some it's the hardest ball in, in football to complete especially down the um, sideline and, yes and and you're going to miss some that that's just football but. Uh, when when we've seen this Tennessee offense struggle, it's been their own doing. And we, we have not seen an opponent this season be the reason that the offense struggles. So uh, unless Tennessee's offense just shows up and, and turns the football over at a, at a massive clip uh, for, for the first time all season, really for the first time since Hendon became quarterback yeah. the, <laughs> the last two seasons, that, that that's how – Kentucky wins this this game. The the bigger question, uh, because you, you pretty much know that Tennessee is going to put up points. The the bigger question is with Tennessee's defense. You, you're always a little bit nervous uh, when when Tennessee's defense takes the field because the secondary is what it is. Uh, the the linebackers can be inconsistent at times. But what what should make you feel somewhat good is, is that the strength of the Tennessee defense is, is that it stops the run. And that's what Kentucky does best. Now, now there are different things off of the run that Tennessee is going to have to be very aware of. Kentucky loves to play action. They're going to take deep shots. Uh, and, and they don't have a Wandell Robinson or a Lynn Bowden. But they, they have some guys that can play. Barryon Brown can flat out play, man. Yes, Barryon Brown can run. Dane Key can run. Uh, Robinson, the, the transfer, he can play. Uh, all three of those receivers are, are capable of, of beating uh, a lot of people, quite frankly, and, and especially this depleted Tennessee secondary. So uh, the, 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 the secondary, the, the, the second level of the defense, the third level of the defense, that their eyes are truly going to need to be in the, the right spots because they're going to try to run play, auction, play action off the run. And, and we've talked about slowing down the run and how important that is, Wes. I, I think, and this obviously falls into that same category, I think this game is so important that the linebackers tackle well. This can't be a game to where the linebackers, and it's not just them, 
But Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, Juwan Mitchell, those three need to have a big game because Chris Rodriguez is hard to bring down, and he will run guys over. Uh, Josh Heupel said tonight on Vol Calls, I I think this is a a great compliment to running backs, that that Chris Rodriguez turns three yards into five yards, five yards into seven yards, because he falls forward. And and Tennessee is going to have to tackle really well. And, again, that doesn't just fall on the linebackers. That that also falls uh, on the – Secondary as well, Danico Slaughter coming down into the box and and out on the perimeter, the the corners tackling as well. This this is a game where Tennessee's defense really needs to tackle well in, in order to help the to slow down the the Kentucky run game. And we, we haven't really talked about Will Levis in depth, uh, West, but I mean he he's he's talented and, and he's capable of beating Tennessee. But you also know that he's gonna give you the football at least once a game. Yep, uh, he he is a turnover machine, six interceptions, or excuse me, five interceptions in six games. He's fumbled six times. Now he's only lost two of them, but he's put six footballs on the grass this season. So he's, he's had essentially 11 turnovers this season which, in which, six which, football which to games, me which may, is a lot. Yeah, that's it. And, and I, I, I'll be honest, I don't get the, the, the whole – talk of potentially Josh Allen 2.0 but of course then again I mean who knew exactly how good Josh Allen would be when he got to the NFL and and honestly if you look at some of the quarterback play in the NFL right now I mean how great do you have to be maybe to go out there and have a chance to start for some of these teams I mean there's just not other than a handful of guys just not a lot of great quarterback play in the league right now so I think it's certainly possible Um, and and he might be I I mean I I I I just uh, to me there's way too many turnovers there because in the NFL, all those games are one-score games and two-score games, and the ball, you just can't turn it over often in that league. And they that's an issue. It's an issue for, for Kentucky to take it to the next level, and it's an issue for whoever drafts it. It was a difference corrected. last year in this football game. That Alante Taylor picked six, and I believe there was another turnover or two as well in that football game. I mean, Will Levis's turnover problem was the difference in, in last year's game. So – uh, I, I think it's just really important that the trenches win for Tennessee defensively, not only to slow down the run, but also generate some pressure on Will Levis. Because if you pressure him, he will turn the football over. I think that's probably a good way to put that. And before we step out, the last thing I'll say is uh, congratulations to the McKee family. We are recording this about a day or two days earlier than we normally would because Ben went went on back home uh, since then to, to go to his sister's wedding. So congratulations to the McKee family. I know that's that's a special thing. My brother just got married this summer, and that was a really, really special day. And uh, just I hope hope everything goes well. Hope the travels are well, and congrats to the family, man. Yeah, I really appreciate that. This is uh, pretty unique. I, I'm one of two, so she she's my only sibling and my little sister. So it, it is uh, interesting, uh, to say the least, in terms of trying to wrap my head around the fact that my little sister uh, is, is getting married, but uh, happy to to welcome in my soon-to-be brother-in-law into the family. He, he's a police officer in the Nashville area. I'm a big fan, so I'm uh, thrilled to make an addition to the family, although it is very weird that my little sister is getting married. But I appreciate the congratulations and, and looking forward to having a good time with the family on Friday. Yeah, my, uh, my little sister, I, I don't have any advice there because my little sister has not gotten married yet because there's no man in the world who can handle her, I don't think. So, you know, good luck. Uh, the joke in our family is always like, if you want to ask for her hand, you you got the nuts to ask for it, you got it, buddy. 
you got it, buddy. Good luck with that. So, uh, but, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a special thing, man. Weddings, weddings are, even if you don't love weddings, you got to love the idea of weddings. It's, it, they're fun things. It's a special time for the family. So safe travels there, safe travels back. And we will see you here at Neyland Stadium, uh, I guess, on Saturday evening. It'll be a fun one and a late one, Wesley. It'll be a fun one. This this football season has been awesome in terms of all the big-time games we've got to cover, and it seems like uh, we, we've got two more big ones the, these next two weeks, and, and who knows, come early December, we, we may have some really massive football games to cover. We just might, and uh, it's going to be uh, uh, the, the Bloodshot Eyes podcast on Saturday night, Sunday morning, so uh, really looking forward to us sitting in the press box up there in the one of the coaches' <laughs> boxes being like, we're so tired. A football game happened. Give me another coffee or Red Bull. I got to get through this. Yeah, but uh, it sucks, right? There's just such hor- horrible jobs that we have having to do this for a living. My goodness, how unlucky we are, right? Yes, uh, how lucky we are. And I'll, I'll add this thought. It made me think of it, talking about massive games uh, in December, obviously referring to the SEC championship game. But if if you win this one, even if you lose to Georgia next Saturday – you, you probably finish the season at 11 and 1, uh, unless just catastrophe strikes and you find a way to lose to Missouri, South Carolina, or Vanderbilt, which I would be very surprised at, at this point if that happens. So, so we'll just assume that Tennessee takes care of business, although we recognize that college football is college football. If you beat Kentucky, you, you finish the season 11 and 1, and at worst, you're in the college football playoff conversation on the day that the college football playoff teams are being announced and oh boy is there a lot to be said for that yeah the doomsday scenario with three one loss sec teams is something that if that happens well but that's that's boy there's going to be there's going to be some some interesting discussions there but uh we'll see if we have those discussions then because even the fact that we're discussing having those discussions is uh is pretty fun so it's it's pretty fun it's been it's been a fun ride this season so uh ben safe travels my man and we will we will see you here soon See you Saturday, Wesley. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least 
So you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a free trial. And that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!